super beings. One of my favorite examples of like the absurdity of comics that was in that movie was Black Mask is wearing what is clearly a Halloween mask, like a high end one, but like you can see his jaw moving underneath it. It's not like surgically uh, attached to his face or anything a la Iron Man, but like it's a Halloween mask. Yeah. I love that. I love that he went to some like high end Halloween store and was like, yes, that one. Or even just the part where they're going through her costumes to wear at the end of the movie. And it's like a whole big thing. It's like, yeah, superheroes just have costumes. Like they run around in costumes. Yeah. It's great. And they're bulletproof and hot. Yes. And I just like the honesty of that, that stuff. Also just truly a movie made for women, like disaster women in their twenties. Like obviously you don't want to be Harley Quinn. She's a bad person, but you do relate heavily when she's crying over a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> when like- she's like crying and eating spray cheese. When she cuts her hair off and just immediately starts crying, I'm like, she, hates it. she summed up womanhood right there. I've never truly related to a love story as much as I did to the Harley Quinn breakfast sandwich saga. Truly. It's so emotional. You're like, I feel that way when I am sad and I'm hungover and got a breakfast, breakfast sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, or just the the scene that I loved was when uh, like Black Canary starts beating up those guys for her and she's like hammered in the background being like you go girl i was like how did they put the girl drunk bathroom energy into this daylight fight scene it is incredible it's amazing we all recommend you go see it actually yes. boys will be like oh no no it wasn't for me you're right it's not it's not but you might still enjoy it grow up none of the movies that came out this year were for us except that one true all right let's talk about another superhero shall we because we are gonna talk about teen wolf scott mccall is spider-man he sure is welcome to the teen wolf free wolf podcast a podcast where we talk about politics superheroes feet occasionally more occasionally than you would think on a Teen Wolf podcast. In fairness, we were making a joke about how often feet had come up on the podcast, which is why I started the podcast this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It went well. It it did, I think. I guess we'll <laughs> find out in our d- DMs later. Uh, Wolfpack tweeted us. Wolfpack, let us know. How do you feel about the feet jokes? How how do you feel about anything? We want to hear from you guys. We want to yeah. we want to feel like feel read the room, test the waters. Yeah, but we can't read the room if there's no room. So, make a room. Please. Siren number one of the episode. This one's kind of quiet. Yeah, that's nice. So it's going to be part of our pack stats from now on. So, yes, yeah. sirens. <laughs> sirens rung out throughout our episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode in particular is about season two, episode nine, and it's called Party Guest. Yes, and it was directed by Tim Andrew. No Russell Mulcahy this week. Honestly, kind of missed him. Um, And written by Jeff Davis, which is partially why it's so good. But in part why there were things that were bad as well. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, To kick off our 60-second recap, Julia is going first. It's my turn. It sure is. To do it, how does this episode start? Uh, In a hallucination. Right. Or a bad dream. Mm -hmm. We're never quite sure which. Who could possibly Who could say? say? Who could never be sure? Yeah. Um, are you ready? I am. All right. One, two, three. Okay. So Lydia is having hallucinations about Peter and he's telling her what to do so that she can bring him back to life. And it's like kind of real and kind of not real. There's lots of dirt in her bed. And then, uh, Allison is driving Matt home after the rave because I guess this, uh, all just happened at the same night and he's apologizing for the kiss and she's like, nah, don't worry about it. And then he leaves his camera bag in the car and she's looking at all the pictures and oh, there's a picture of her in her bedroom. 
bad. And then uh, we're finding out that Lydia's birthday is coming up, and so they're all prepping for her party, and she comes over to Allison's house with a bunch of Macy's bags to try on stuff, and Allison's mom, uh, who's plotting to kill herself, is like, I need to talk to you, and Allison's like, no. And uh, Derek is continuing his werewolf school ministrations, but uh, everybody is not doing well because a full moon is coming up and no one's had any time to train, so he like crucifies Erica. That's fun. Chains everybody to seats in a train car then Lydia's party comes no one's there Styles a much invites a bunch of drag queens everybody gets drunk on something and Wolfsbane and everybody starts having hallucinations which are very sad so this is very sad I did not get to the end but no you didn't I never do that's okay um I honestly think I only do by skipping major details and talking real fast. Yeah, I just, like, there's so many things that I have feelings about. Yeah, but you don't need to editorialize this, like, summation of the episode. That's what the rest of the podcast is for. Like, I know, but I physically can't help myself. That's a bad trait. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I can't help but add an opinion to literally everything I say. (laughs) Anybody who has known me for any length of time knows that that's true. I mean, I also do know that about you. Uh, and It just doesn't help the podcast. Uh, well, in that vein. We're like, chop, chop, Julia. Are you ready? Am I ever? Okay. Well, yeah. you're not ready, but I'm going to push play. Okay. Start. Whatever. Um, three, two, one, go. So Lydia's having a bad dream about all the bad stuff that happened to her with Peter, and she wakes up and her dirt, her bed's full of dirt, and then she like is Peter tells her that she has to uh, poison her party with Wolfsbane, and she's like, "What if I don't?" And he's like, "I'll kill everybody." And then it flashes to Allison who's driving Matt home after the rave, and then she looks in his camera and he's fucking stalking her, and that's crazy pants. And then it cuts to Scott and Derek, and Derek is like, uh, "I'm gonna need your help. Like, you need to be looking for Jackson while I'm taking care of the baby wolves during the full moon." for Lydia's party and then they I don't know like they kind of skip a couple days or whatever and then it flashes forward to Lydia's party and Allison's mom is like I need to talk to you and she's like um I'm not now mom I'm busy and can't see that her mom is in like imminent peril and then they go to Lydia's party and she poisons everybody and her has these really sad hallucinations and then Scott realizes that the it's the punch that's making everybody go crazy and then Matt falls in the pool and he realizes that uh, Matt is the cannibal master and then also Isaac learns to be his own anchor slash I mean his dad's his anchor and fights off the full moon and helps Derek um, protect the baby werewolves from themselves and then Lydia poisons Derek with Wolfsbane yes in a beautiful scene it is the most gift scene on Tumblr I'm sure when she just blows purple glitter in his face yeah love that they were like this isn't going to be at all masculine purple glitter mm-hmm. purple glitter only for Mr. Tyler Hecklin. Well, I also feel like there's not a lot of, like... I mean, there is, like, hyper-masculinity in Teen Wolf, but, like, the aesthetics are so much more important that they'd rather just blow purple... Gl- like, the masculinity comes from this dude wearing a wife beater looking like a fucking Grand Theft Auto character, and then the aesthetics Literally. comes from the purple glitter. <laughs> yep. We love it. Yeah. We super love it. Did we miss any big plot points? No, I think I did a really good job. <laughs> I mean, Allison's mom dies in this... The show, well, it, the episode should have ended on Allison in the hospital, except that it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it ends on like a really lame. Uh, well, really oh, wait. Well, the thing we missed is that Peter comes back to life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the full moon and Derek presumably is no longer an alpha because the little red light in his eyes goes Flickered. Out. Went out. Oh. Never to, no, that's not true. Um, yeah, but Peter's back, baby. Yeah. 
Um, Peter is back, but before we get to that, we want to start talking about this episode through our theme. And this week, our theme is inevitability. So the thing about this episode driving forward to the end of the season is that pretty much everything that happens in it is unstoppable by our main characters. Yes. Um, and I think we could compare it to, to a train. The train is going. You cannot get off the train at this point. Lots of track has been laid to get us to this point. Like, we have been saying uh, for the last couple of episodes, being like, oh man, I thought this was the Lydia party episode because this is where so much shit happens, but we didn't need all of the other episodes, but we needed some of them to lay the groundwork for all of the things that happen in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think that this episode is kind of like the culmination of the season and then the final three are the result of that yes this is where uh, once this is where kind of everybody thinks they have all of their information obviously we find out later that like gerard takes over the canima or whatever that's yes. like but pieces are clicking into place pieces are clicking into place we place we finally understand like where the canima's backstory is coming from like we've put together how all of these people who have been murdered by the canima are connected and I think what we, when we were discussing, like, in our show notes, the biggest uh, aspect of inevitability in this episode is death. Yeah. So, is there a place you would like to start in regards to that? Hmm. I feel like the two big deaths uh, are, like, the pinnacle of the episode. So, perhaps we should start with the hallucination scene at the party. With Styles. With Styles. And his dad. I could talk about this scene for maybe hours. It is so good. And especially because it comes on the heels of them having a really positive interaction at the beginning of the episode where they're figuring out crime together. Um, basically what happens is that Styles hallucinates his dad coming to this party and saying that it is Styles' fault that his mom is dead. And it is horrifying. It's like heart-wrenching yeah. to watch. And it, it's interesting because you know that Styles' dad would never believe that, let alone say it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's one of these things where Styles, his reaction to the Wolfsbane, and I think this is everyone's reaction to the Wolfsbane, is being confronted by their deepest insecurities and doubts. And Styles knows his dad loves him and doesn't believe that. But there is a part of like what it is to be a child when your parent passes, um, which, you know, in, in the speech, his dad mentions like that was a long, a long, sad death. Like his mother was in the hospital for months. Like there wasn't, that is a sense of inevitability that like styles never let go of. And therefore like as internalized it as being in part his fault, which of course it wasn't his fault. His mom had dementia. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we see something like that, we are saddened not only to see somebody say it to Styles because that's devastating. It is mostly uh, affecting in the way that you know it is in part something Styles believes. Yeah, and it's also, I think, one of the most believable hallucinations because the other hallucinations involve uh, mm -hmm. Allison's evil twin yeah, and then Allison making out with Jackson who then becomes the Canima. So there's 
a real element, like an element of realism to this particular situation. Because Lyndon Ashby is there. He doesn't turn into anything. He just kind of disappears. Lyndon Ashby's so good. He's phenomenal. Um, it's kind of funny to think that his primary career before Teen Wolf was all soap opera because you don't really necessarily, I don't, don't think you see that in his performance. No, he has such a good sense of like dramatic beats and um, how, like their interplay between the two of them is so good. And Styles doesn't say anything mm-hmm. that entire monologue that the sheriff is doing. He's just nose acting, yeah, <laughs> and doing a great job. But um, it's it's like Styles' inner monologue. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, awful. And I in in terms of um, inevitability, I think that particular hallucination is important. That we as the audience see it, and not necessarily that like obviously the people at the party don't know this is happening. And Styles doesn't tell anybody, but it's kind of a good way to introduce um, how you know, Allison might feel later in the episode because we were basically are like, this is a character whose mother is dead. Um, and they think that is in some way their fault. Mm-hmm. And Allison, like, I don't necessarily know if she ever kind of confronts that, but she, I, there is an aspect of Allison's mom's death where she's like, this is my fault for bringing, you know, for st- continuing to stay with Scott for like trusting werewolves as far as she has, you know, and which is what is the, like, ends up being the big change in her personality throughout the final part of this episode. Um, so we see that there's one, you know, we are, we are prefaced with one inevitable death in reflection to bring us forward to like, to prepare us for the next inevitable death and how mm-hmm. Allison might react to it. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this episode. Um, including Allison being shot. <laughs> Yes, which, I mean, we have no way of knowing if the writers knew that that was what was going to happen because we don't like to give them any credit, but... None at all. Thank you, Teen Wolf. Um, so we ca- we see how Allison's going to die in the future. Um, and as we've discussed uh, before, the rule of Teen Wolf is you can only have one good parent. And Allison was coasting for too long. On, I mean, uh, and I'm not going to say she has two good parents, but like she has two parents. Mm-hmm. That's one more than many people on the show. Um, and I think like, mm, there's a sense of inevitability that Allison was always going to go back to her family. We've kind of been building up to that, like throughout the season with her being like, I have to call my dad. I have to bring my dad in on this. Like, I have to be a part of the plan to capture the Kanima. And this really just cements her change and her switch to being on the side of the Argents rather than playing the double agent, which is what she's been doing. I agree. Um, I want to talk a little bit... Well, I want to get a little bit into to Allison's mother's death at first, which we knew was inevitable from the mm-hmm. last episode. We knew she got bit... We, I don't know if we've been quite as introduced to that part of the code yet. It does, but it is a big part of season three. Yes. Specifically Motel California, everyone's favorite episode of Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got excited to talk about Motel California. I, did. I physically saw it. Well, like, <laughs> you like gasped. You commentary back. track yeah. in addition to the episode? Maybe. Maybe. Let us so know. Um, I don't know if we've been quite that introduced to that part of the code yet, but we know that we know, I think, I don't know if it's explicitly stated, but I think we know that that would be the end game of a hunter being bitten. Uh, so we know her death is coming. 
And it's really sad to see, I mean, their last ditch effort to try to make us like Victoria. Please, you could have done it three episodes ago and this would have been way more affecting. Teen Wolf Riders. Teen Wolf Riders. Um, where she, you know, I find it really odd that she knows her death is inevitable and doesn't like yell at Allison to be like, get your ass over here. We need to have a conversation. Doesn't prepare her in any way. It's so selfish. Like, she, I don't know. I don't know what I, I mean know. by that. I don't know if it's selfish. I don't know if it's selfish. I just think it's, um, she, she, for somebody who we know doesn't give in to anything, she gives in so easily to Allison yeah. being like, oh, later. No, I, I mean, I think that like she does display a certain amount of selfishness, like killing herself in her daughter's room. Um, why would you do that? Except the fact that it makes you feel good about dying. Yeah. Um, it would traumatize her for the rest of her life, which it does. Yeah. But I mean, there you're totally cornered in this in the scenario, the situation or the scenario, the scenario, the scenario. That's a new teen wolf, free wolf word. Um, no, it's not. No veto. <laughs> um, because Gerard has this wonderful line that is wasted on him because He's the worst. But, um, you know, if Victoria were not committed to killing herself, someone else would have to do it. So there's no hope at all for her. There's no way, like, Chris tries to stand up to uh, Gerard. He tries to talk Victoria out of it, kind of, sort of. But everybody knows that it's, it's going to happen one way or another. So those efforts are not as forceful as they probably should have been. Yeah. Well, I also, I mean, to give her the benefit of the doubt, I, there is probably a part of her that's like, I want to protect Allison from knowing this and like let her have a fun time at Lydia's birthday party without having to think about the fact that I'm going to be gone tomorrow. Yeah. Though I think if she had thought about it for more than two seconds, she would have been like, Allison would want to be there. Or maybe not be there, but like know no. that it was happening. I mean, I, th- I, I will, the unfortunate thing is that I, they, the full moon didn't happen the day after the rave. Like mm-hmm. there was space in between. There's like the time at school spent. She should have told Allison immediately and been like, I don't want you in the house when it happens. I want you to friend, like to have fun with your friends. And I know this is really going to hurt. Like and that was mismanaged deeply mm-hmm. by the writers. Yeah. <laughs> not by Victoria or Allison. <laughs> no, it's not their fault. No. Well, and Allison clearly is not having a good time about anything. Like, Allison's miserable. She's miserable. She's hallucinating. No. Well, yeah, she yeah. is. Um, and I, to move into hallucinations, because I think we've kind of touched on, like, the inevitability of death. To get things off on a really <laughs> positive note here, Wolfpack, I want to move into the inevitability of um, Peter's return, but before that, the full moon. And what, mm. you know... Happens every month. Happens every month. Um... Just happened yesterday. Did you guys see it? It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was yeah. nice and sunny here in Chicago. Clear skies, 60 degrees. It was the warm moon, which is the moon that happens in this episode. Yeah. Look, which how is, about I that? love when that stuff lines up. Is Lydia a Pisces? I don't, I guess. Yeah. It, it is Pisces season, isn't it? I guess not? she's a Pisces. Otherwise, huh. she'd be an Aries. Haha, <laughs> go Aries. But I don't think she is. Did you just, like, cheer your own astrological sign? I really did. I just think that we have a bad rap, so. For good reason. We're so angry. Yeah, but you're not a Gemini. True. My mom is, though. So. 
Oh, not to drag my mom, but <laughs> she's a Gemini and kind of a typical Gemini. Um, Could be worse. My brother's a Scorpio. Yikes. My family is very loud. Uh, I'm a Scorpio rising, which just means that I hold on to grudges forever. I know you do. Yes. Wrong me and I will never forget it. I know you do. <laughs> anyway. Uh, sorry. The full moon. <laughs> what? Hit us up on Twitter if you want to talk astrology. If you want to talk astrology, I have so many thoughts. Um, but the full moon. What's your moon sign? Uh, a Leo. It's, I'm very confused all the time. I'm a rising Leo. Interesting. My moon's in Taurus. Hmm. My moon in Taurus and my sun in Aries just makes me the just most so stubborn, stubborn. I've ever met. <laughs> well, I like I'm a Cancer sun and a Leo moon, so like I want to be the center of attention, and then also I don't want anyone to look at me ever. Yeah, I know that about you. It's the worst thing. Yep, and I cry I, all the time. Yep, I know that about you too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, again, if you guys have zodiac thoughts, please hit us up. We have we, we would, are here for it. We would love to chat about it. Um, but back to the full moon. The full moon is inevitable. It happens every month, and it also is an inevitable reoccurring challenge in Teen Wolf. Uh, and I think that something that sums it up quite well is when Isaac asks Derek, "How are you not feeling this?" And he goes, "I feel every second of it." Mm-hmm. So the full moon is something that is so deeply impactful towards even the most like sophisticated of werewolves. werewolves. Yeah. The the most, the the best trained Mm -hmm. of werewolves. Um, and to know that these baby werewolves are experiencing it for the first time, Scott's experiencing it while poisoned by Wolfsbane and Derek is on his own to try to take care of them. There's a sense of like impending doom that comes with that. Like, you know that something is going to go wrong and the thing that goes wrong isn't what you think it's going to be. Um, you, it's, you're set up to kind of think that like the baby werewolves will get out and hurt somebody. Yeah. Um, not to think that this is the episode where Peter comes back from the dead. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, one thing I think is most interesting about the full moon being an issue here is one, the cannabis doesn't seem affected by the full moon. Yeah. And two, in the midst of all of this inevitability and like moments where we feel really fraught and like un you know, like that there's no help to be had here. We see Isaac steps up to the plate and is able to combat some of that, which I just found so incredibly impressive. And I love Isaac. Obviously no one needs to hear me say that again, but he's the best. (laughs) There are a lot of like really heavy emotional beats in this episode. And some of them fall really flat. Like when Victoria is about to, you know, shuffle off this mortal coil. Um, but that as a, one does as one as one as we all will do eventually in the words of Sufian stevens we're all gonna die <laughs> immortal um oh you all should know that there is a sticker on christian's laptop that that says that very quote um, oh yes oh it has a picture of Sufian stevens and it says we're all gonna die and some pretty flowers um to which what are Sufian also would want. yeah it, it's what Sufian would want um well now i've been sidetracked by oh the, so um werewolves i just made such a beautiful brilliant point about isaac and we threw it away on a (laughs) sufian stevens joke um it is really touching to see isaac kind of like step up and become Derek's second in command um i think that's one of the most successful things about teen wolf is that the full moon continues to be a problem it's never something that's like solved um because it gives you 
instant anxiety. Like if you want to add dramatic anxiety to uh, an episode, the Teen Wolf writers literally just have to be like, it's going to be the full moon. What's going to happen? And I think they use it to great effect here. Well, I also think what's great about Isaac's kind of, you know, finding his anchor and like being able to rein back in the betas with Derek is it is the first jumping off point of showing that Isaac doesn't need Derek. Yes. He needed that, you know, minute piece of advice to be like, how do I control it? Derek told him and Isaac was able to do it himself, which Isaac has incredible like strength of will as we Mm -hmm. kind of know anyway. Um, And is able to kind of stand on his own without that, you know, without needing, you know, a babysitter anymore, which is what gives him the strength to kind of move over to Scott's pack when he does anyway. It is truly the first moment that we see Isaac having any kind of real control over him, his life. Which is great because it's his so life good. is just, even after this, just spirals. <laughs> yes. Um, but he really seems to have like full confidence in himself. He's, um, we don't get to see a whole lot of it because uh, unfortunately we don't get a whole lot of Isaac scream time, but he's like clearly processing much to my dismay. He's clearly processing a lot of things that have happened to him, um, which is great. We love that. Um, and I, what I also think is interesting about his particular, um, scene when he says that his dad was his anchor mm. is it is kind of, well, whether Isaac has processed this, not in the background is, Beyond us, because, again, not a lot of Isaac's screen time, but he is coming to sort of the acceptance of the fact that his dad will end up forever serving two places in his life. And one is a place where he was a good dad who was kind to him and, like, raised him well, and the other is the, like, you know, the time he spent as, like, an abusive asshole. Yeah. Um, And for Isaac to be able to reckon those places, those you know, pieces together in order to gain control over his mental state is really therapeutic and interesting and mature of him. And I think that that's like shows immense like emotional growth. Yeah. I think that most of the teens on teen wolf, um, have far more emotional maturity than most adults would credit to teens. Um, yeah, which is great. <laughs> it's delightful. Because um, honestly, any teenager who has experienced trauma is way more adult than any adult who hasn't. Real. Um, I also, in terms of the full moon, not that you have to like experience any great trauma to be an adult, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, they are forced to yes, occupy um, a different emotional space. We truly hope that you have not experienced any trauma. We don't want you to have had it bad. Um, it's not good. <laughs> It bad. I really appreciated the fact that non-werewolves got sucked into the saga of the full moon in this episode. And uh, we're led to believe that it's because they're all imbibing Wolfsbane uh, drink. Yes. Pink drink. Um, <laughs> Just a good old-fashioned pink panty pull-down. <laughs> yep. Um, because, uh, I, so I used to work in an elementary school and... Without fail, any day that was, like, particularly hard or awful or the kids were being just, like, extra mean, uh, I would look at one of my coworkers and be like, hey, uh, is today a full moon? And they'd be like, yes, it is. (laughs) Because that, it affects you way more than you think it would. And I know that there are probably some people who are out there like me, like, that's not science. But actually, um, I love when actual real humans get sucked into the drama of the full moon because that is what happens in real life. People be crazy. 
Uh, yeah, last night was a full moon and everybody we know was acting... A fool. Uh, just nuts. <laughs> Some of the weirdest <gasps> behavior in my life was directed at me yesterday. You know, I hadn't thought about that before, but uh, talking about the full moon really put some stuff in clarity for me just now. About uh, yesterday? Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I feel like I was walking down the street and got yelled at. Mm-hmm. I felt particularly manic yesterday, and I think it was probably partially because of that. Well, I what well, Part of me is like, it was it the full moon, or was it the fact that it was the first time it had been over 50 degrees in... Many months. Porque no los dos. Yeah, there's definitely both. Um, yeah, I mean, and again, back in terms of inevitability, like clearly we see that there is an inevitable um, greater effect on not just our wolves, but like everyone at the party goes nuts. And that's not good, but it does reveal a very key piece of information to us. When Matt gets pushed in the pool, we realize he can't swim. Jackson saves him and Scott puts two and two together. How could somebody who is afraid of water, you know, how could the Canemo's master be afraid of water? And he puts it together that the Canemo's master must be mad because everyone can swim. That's a joke. You, not everyone can <laughs> swim. I know a lot of people can't swim. <laughs> um, it's really well directed, that whole sequence, because when uh, they figure it out, um, like as soon as they figure it out, someone's like, the cops are here. And so everybody starts freaking out and the camera stays on Scott and Styles, and they are, motionless because they're processing what they just saw and figuring out. And we get confirmation later, like a few seconds later when Scott walks out into the street and Matt is standing there dripping wet and shaking and with fury. Like, the shaky Angie was so weird. I was like, just glare. Bizarre. Sit still and glare, please. I'm uncomfy. The acting is not good. He looked like he was going to vibrate off the surface of the planet. Yeah. And not in a good way. Um, no. <laughs> so it, it was really well done. And like, if, if you're like me and you were watching Teen Wolf being like, I don't know what's going on. Like those moments are crucial because it helps you put all the pieces together. Um, because you get to do it along with Scott who is a big dummy. And then you feel a little less like a dummy. Cause you're like, Oh, it took Scott this long to figure it out. Um, probably other people figured it out before I did, but I'm just, gonna, I like, think I knew it was Matt because why would they introduce this character without him being some sort of bad actor in this system? T Teen Wolf writers. I mean, you're right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, 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 um yeah, I, it, it's interesting. Um, and I, I think that there's a sort of back in the terms of like inevitability, we were inevitably going to find it out. And I think it's important in the, that it happened in this episode because I think Lydia poisoning the, the punch brought a lot of things that were inevitable to a head early. Yes. Um, which again, like we say this, this season culminates to this episode and then this episode begets the last three, mm -hmm. which I actually think is a really interesting structure for a season because we don't get that, I don't think, in pretty much any of the other seasons. Well, especially because Matt isn't a faint, like he has done evil things and he has murdered people. But unlike in the first season where we figure out that the alpha is Peter and then we have, what, like two more episodes with that knowledge um, to figure out how to defeat him, Matt ends up 
not being the final master of the can, the final boss that you have yeah, to face. The final boss. <laughs> He's not the final boss. The music is the music is louder and faster, but not as loud and fast as it is when you get to Gerard. <laughs> Pretty much. You're like, this is the end of the temple, and then you see another door in the room, and you're like, oh, Zelda, you've got me again. Damn. A lot of video game references <laughs> in this episode. We did just watch, I watched Scott Pilgrim for the first time, so oh, that yeah, might I, be why. Oh, yeah, I did make Julia watch Scott Pilgrim. It was fun. Um, yeah. I got very sidetracked. Oh, I mean, like, it's nice that um, Matt doesn't end up being, like, the final villain, but he does kind of have to answer for uh, for his crimes, so to speak. Yes. Um, and then, also, I think it's, like, uh, easier for them to have more empathy for Jackson because they know that someone's been controlling him, but now they can see who it is, and they put two and two together. Um and then you could just have like a little bit more empathy for Jackson because he's like clearly not in control of the situation. Yeah, so I, obviously. I think I brought this example up in the beginning of season two is that you don't hate Ginny for doing the terrible thing mm-hmm. she did because she was in the control of Voldemort. Matt's just a weaker, shittier Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, you made a point about that. Oh, no, about Peter, but... Yeah. Um, okay. Well, then also let's bring that point to Pete, like Lydia. Like you don't feel you because we understand who Lydia is in the grips of in this episode. We don't hate her for poisoning everybody because we know that she knows that the alternative is everyone dying. Yep. It's. I really appreciated the fact that um, they introduced the fact that it was Peter in the last episode or maybe the episode before. I can't really remember, but then they gave us more scenes with him. So you're like being led up to the fact that like, Oh, Peter really is going to come back. Like this isn't just some funsies hallucination. And this was also a brilliant way of introducing the fact that Lydia is a banshee. Mm -hmm. Like he says like, Oh, you're immune. But I think Peter probably knows there's only so many things that are immune to a werewolf's bite. And then once he realizes he can connect to her through like, the spirit world. It's like, she's one thing. He knows that she's the one to do it because she's the only one who can talk to the dead. Peter is the smartest villain. Truly. Except for maybe Deucalion, but, um, yeah. He, Peter is playing the long game always. Yes. Because that presupposes that he knew he was going to be taken down by Derek and Scott. Like his which, aim is to stay alive. Yeah. Which I think like Peter is somebody who always operates through the idea of the inevitable, which mm-hmm. is like, this could happen and that's inevitable. And I need to prepare to what I do to skirt around that. He has a million backup plans. Exactly. It's great. Yeah. Gosh, he's smart. He's smart. We really appreciate Peter as a villain and we do. he and Lydia ha- don't have a lot of like dialogue together. It's mostly him talking at her because you know, men. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really effective in this episode. Something I wanted to bring, like draw in like comparison to Peter being such a smart villain is that like Gerard is eventually had at the end of the season because he presumes himself invincible. Mm-hmm. He thinks he is the smartest person in the room. Whereas Peter understands that he probably is, but might not be and is able to, to create, you know, dig exit tunnels for himself in any situation which actually makes him so much more fun to watch because you have you, he's slippery you know you never know how he's going to wiggle out next and i think that there's a sense of inevitability that comes with peter's sort of background plans where you always know that he has a way of getting out which is why he keeps coming back why they keep letting him in and why he keeps being the worst man in every season <laughs> And we it's see true. that we see that in this episode. We know that Peter's evil plan is going to come to fruition. It's without a doubt because he knows exactly where to hit Lydia where it hurts. 
Yeah. And um, it's, I mean, it's really nice the way that they kind of all sew this together because at one point in the episode is Derek is talking about how an alpha doesn't necessarily stay an alpha. They become, they can become betas and omegas just as betas can become alphas. And we see that come to fruition at the end of the episode. So I think that they did a good job. They did. Weaving it all together. That's one point for the Teen Wolf Riders. Um, <laughs> one. Teen Wolf Riders, one. Christian and Julia, however many episodes of this podcast there are. This is episode 21. Yep. There we go. Yep. <laughs> Plus the bonus episodes, but that doesn't count. They don't count. They're not about Teen Wolf. Um, I think that we've kind of wrapped up our discussion on inevitability. Do you want to move into cues and notes? Yeah. To cues? Sounds good. Actually, yeah, I did. So, all right. The full moon does not seem to be accepting Jack, affecting Jackson. Or accepting him. Accepting him. I don't, guys, I don't know what's going there are two on. There are two pictures of beautiful cannabis in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately... Only one, one of them can be America's Next Top Model. Yeah. Um, God, can you imagine? Um, so the full moon doesn't seem to be affecting Jackson. He is kind of in a fugue state, but that's been established in previous episodes as that's just kind of the way he is now. Wouldn't the Wolfsbane be affecting Siren number him? two. Oh, Sorry, that's Siren number two, everybody. They've not been as loud today. Maybe they know. Wouldn't the wolf spit? Well, I don't think he actually... I Okay, you know how we were talking about whose cup hit the trash and you said it was Matt's? I think it was Jackson's. I'm not 100% sure. The way that it was cut was very strange. We could have rewinded to see. But we were having issues with Amazon today, so uh, we weren't going to do that. We're always having issues with Amazon. Eat the rich. (laughs) Eat the rich. Jeff Bezos. Guillotine him. Honestly, head in a basket, please. Um, no, I just, I think it's very strange. This is kind this is like a question and an observation. Like, uh, I wonder why the Wolfsbane doesn't affect him. And I also wonder why the Argents have not tried to shoot him with a Wolfsbane bullet. They have them. And even though Gerard is like trying, surreptitiously trying to keep him alive, he's not preventing Chris from like going into the Wolfsbane bullet stash of which there are so many and trying to blow a hole in that guy. That's true. Part of me wonders if there's anything in the lore that we don't know about. That's like, Oh, Wolfsbane doesn't work because he's technically an other creature. Possibly. But that sounds both lazy and too smart for the Teen Wolf writers. So I don't, (laughs) yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know how to meet you at that question. I wish that we had seen a little something more. Um, but I think my best answer for you is that because he's not a werewolf, it's not going to Actually, no, wait. It does affect him because he has a hallucination of his parents. But is that the wolfsbane or is that the full moon? Or the fugue state. Hmm. hmm. Questions. That's what cues know are for. We just can't yeah. always get to the answer of the cues because, again, this wolf pack, no do you sense. have thoughts? Please tell us. Please tell us, especially if you think we're wrong, because I guarantee if I have an answer and you have an answer, the truth is somewhere in between the two. Yes. Yeah. And perhaps the truth buried in Jeff Davis's head never to surface. If anybody has his contact information, we would love to ask him some questions. Yeah. Also, Russell Mulcahy. I want to talk to him real bad. True. All righty. Do, do you have any... Do I have a cue? Mm-hmm. Um, why doesn't Allison confront Matt when she finds the pictures on his phone? Because I know that, as I just mentioned, being an airy sun and Taurus moon, <laughs> I would kick his ass. <laughs> You know, um, I think she doesn't know what to make of it. 
Like, okay. Well, and also I think that Allison is, uh, dealing with a lot of different situations in her life where not knowing all of the facts might get you killed. Um, and I think she's on high alert mode all the time. So not instigating is probably in her best interest. Um, I also, I mean, I also think that Allison's got too much shit going on. Like she's clearly freaked out by it, but it might not register to her as something that like she needs to deal with right now. But then she tries to deal with it at the party. And I'm like, this could have been solved if you had just pulled the crossbow out (laughs) while he was standing there and like, get the fuck away from my car. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. He very creepily is like, come inside five minutes. It's a, it's not a school night. It's spring break. Which also strikes me as weird, which strikes me as weird because he just got caught. Why is he not playing like cool about it? Why is it like, I just, you know, I thought you looked good. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, like he's Mm -hmm. playing it. So like that felt like bad writing to me. It's another one of those issues of sociopaths, not operating within like human terms of engagement. So then you're like, uh, that doesn't make sense. Why would people let this psycho in their lives when it should have been like played really chill? Like, um, honestly, like, I just think you're really cool. Like, you know, I'll see you tomorrow at school. Don't worry about it. Like, I'll, I even if it just been like, you know, I'll stay out of your hair. I could not answer that for you because there were so many instances in this episode where I was like, why don't you just say like a real lie? You know, like Jackson, when Lydia comes up to him and is like, uh, why won't you come to my party? Like come to my party. And he's like, you don't want me there. The obvious solution would be like, I have plans. My parents are taking me to dinner. Something that is like a real thing. Instead of being like, you don't want me there. Or even just to like, like, I know Jackson doesn't want to hurt Lydia any further, but even if he was just like, we're broken up. Yeah. Just being like straightforward about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why nobody is being straightforward in Teen Wolf. Because I think writers could like often conflate like miscommunication with like, like actual, like non, non-communication, non-communication, like which is the biggest fault of season five when we get there. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Hundo percent. Like, I want someone to just to say, I want someone to say something that they think is true and have the other person misinterpret it rather than have them not say anything because that's boring. That doesn't raise any stakes. Like, that's dramatically uninteresting to me. I think, I mean, we've praised this episode quite a bit for the writing and for the, the conceptual. Oh, no, it's things. super good. <laughs> like, it's super 14 good. 14 Wolf. 14 Wolf. But there are certain, there are certain elements of this, um, or like... Styles has this whole thing about how when there's a fight between a man and a woman and they're in a relationship, like it, the man is always wrong, which is just so, ugh. It's just really gross. And like, yeah, like there is, a, I think that there's a sort of like a strange like subset of like Republicans on Instagram who believe that to be true. Like but har it, har. <laughs> yeah. But like, like, like white blonde ladies with like, 2000 followers on their influencer blogs. Like that's the type of people who think that's true. I think that that is incredibly unnuanced or like a complex way of thinking about something. And even if styles is kind of thinking that way, it should be opposed as his sort of naivete because he hasn't been in a relationship before. Yeah. Which it's not, which is annoying. It's presented so matter of factly. And part of it is like, Oh, styles is trying to pretend to be an adult, but it's just, the way that it's written and in the way that it's played, no disrespect to Dylan O'Brien, we love you. But um, it just doesn't land correctly for me, and it's just weird. Yeah. Do you have any other cues? No cues. 
How about your O's? Uh, my one O, which you kind of answered while we were watching it, is why aren't the Kanima attacks registering as animal attacks like the wolf, like the alpha attacks in season one were? Well, well, I think it's because they have a neurotoxin, um, and doctors might not be able to identify specifically what it is, but because they've been poisoned and paralyzed, um, I don't think that it registers in their mind that like a creature could be doing this. Um, because like, yeah, he has got claws and it's really gross, but I think people are really willing to overlook certain things. If other aspects of evidence match up to like, Oh, this is clearly a human. Fair. Got it. Do you have any O's you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, this might just be the full moon talking because not through me, I've through Scott McCall, um, who we've not really talked about a lot in this episode. Um, but when they get to Lydia's party, no one is there. Mm-hmm. It's like just them and Allison. And Allison's trying to convince Scott that he should try to get more people to come there. And Scott's like, well, we don't owe her a party. Which is the first time in Teen Wolf we hear Scott say we don't owe someone something as it relates to like their physical or emotional health. Um, he seems like very adamant about not supporting Lydia through this, who is a person that we know he cares about. She's part of his pack and his unwillingness to, he's like, Oh, I guess I could get the lacrosse team here. I do have a thought about this. And that is Mm -hmm. that later in the episode when Scott says he doesn't want to apologize to Allison Styles says, is it the full moon talking? And he says, yes. Yeah. And I think his sort of like, um, irritability. Like I think when you are pissed off about something separate from what's going on in your life, you're a lot less likely to be sympathetic to the people around you in like the other aspects of your life. Like it's, if you're having like, if you like are having a, if you have a bad day at work and then you go to your, to hang out with your friends and they're like, Oh, I had this really bad day. You're like, man, I don't care about your bad day. I also had a bad day, you know? Like, yeah, I kind of think that that, that's what that's coming from. I don't think Scott, I don't think Scott thinks he doesn't owe Lydia anything. They're friends. Like, yeah, that's a crazy thing. I think it is the full moon. It just doesn't, uh, it didn't really land for me because it seemed really out of place given where Scott's coming from in the previous couple of episodes where he's so adamant about like, what, what do we owe to each other? Chidi and Agonia. But those previous um, three episodes take place outside of the full moon. It's true. I just, um, maybe it was me focusing too hard on that, but I just thought it was strange and interesting. Um, you're right that we didn't talk a lot about Scott this episode, but there wasn't like Scott was kind of, uh, not the main player here. No, he does hell I guess he you know talks to Derek but he even his hallucination felt so surface level compared to everybody else's like Jackson's was so much more affecting and Jackson also wasn't even a main player Jackson had like three lines in this episode and it was so much more like riveting and like complex to see him to see like the faceless versions of the parents he's imagined than it was to see like Allison make out with Jackson which is gross not gross when they're making up but when he turns into the canima yeah gross um i think that honestly maybe what worked about this episode was that it was so ensemble driven like it wasn't particularly about one person i think if it was about anyone it was about allison but everybody really had a part to play um which i think helped with the pacing i wasn't sitting there being like this episode was too long um really interesting things happen with a lot of different characters. I think the wealth was spread really evenly and, and pretty well in this episode. I agree with that. Um, do you have any other O's? Yeah. Um, Allison and Lydia are both wearing blue 
when they are doing the little dress try on uh, scene, which is really cute. Also, uh, Lydia's shirt is incredible. I noticed this in a GIF on Tumblr. I would have never noticed it like in TV because it's just too short of a moment, but like she's wearing a button down shirt that she's tied in the front and then it's like open in the back in a slit. And I just, it's so extra. I really love it. She was wearing an insane amount of eyeliner. I kind of um, miss that. <laughs> do you yeah. ever miss like raccoon liner? I sure do. I think there's a way you can make it look good. Yeah. Um, Matt wears a bad scoop neck t-shirt. Yeah, that was it's true gross. bad like 2012 fashion. Um, I have a note that says men really be like that and I'm not sure. I think it was about Matt, but it applies to a lot of That was that was about Matt. That was about wh- when we were uh talking when Allison and Matt's fight scene happens, which is really good when Allison is like confronting him about the pictures on the camera and she's like these were not just candids. Like these were pictures of me in my room and he says something like, "Well, you're not the only pretty girl, you know." Men really be like Men that. Men really be like that. Oh my god, Ugh. they really do. Um my one last If you're a man, try <laughs> not to be like that. Truly. Read a book. Read a book. Um, my last observation was just that Allison, no, not Allison. Lydia's house seems so incongruous to what we know about like her mom and her sense of uh, style. And also at one point, like when St- Scott is walking up the stairs, there's like wood paneling on the wall, which doesn't match the decor of the rest of the house at all. The backyard is fire though. The backyard, beautiful. But I just, who is in charge of continuity on this show? No one. No one. <laughs> what? Not are a single person. Your O's. Um, this one's really quick. I love a confident period joke. <laughs> yes. When Erica says something like, oh, like about the full moon, she's like, good thing I had my period last week and everyone just kind of like lets it happen because what are boys supposed to say? I, the best thing ever is when period jokes about the full moon and werewolf media come from women and men don't say shit. Cause if men say it, it's usually offensive and stupid. Yeah. It's usually gross. Yeah. But Erica, and I was just like, fuck it up, Erica. That's true. <laughs> Erica's newfound confidence. Amazing. Amazing. And then she says, some, and then Derek kind of affirms her later and is like, Erica has to wear the like Christ helmet because, <laughs> because she can withstand way more pain than either of you. And I'm like, yeah, that's cause she knows what it's like to menstruate. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. If you are a person who menstruates, you are tougher than any motherfucker who doesn't. Truly. That's a good example of men really be like that sometimes. True. Um, I love Styles and his big present trying to push it through Lydia's door. <laughs> he loves her so much. <laughs> and it's just, when Dylan O'Brien gets to do like some good, good physical comedy, I'm just like, yes, this is what I'm here for. Um, I loved the lighting in the bus. I love that it's like construction, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Portable lighting. It's yeah. Clamp lights. They look really beautiful. I loved, uh, is it a bus? Is it a train? Have we decided? I don't know. I think it's a train. I don't, I truly don't know. It's anyway, it was really, really beautiful. And it really contrasted with the lighting at the party, which was really warm. And then the lighting in the train was really cool. Mm Um, I loved that. I, uh, I really love when people have to confront the mirror verse version of themselves. Yes. The dark version. I loved seeing dark Allison. Can't shooting. wait for void styles. Like cannot <laughs> wait for void styles, which this kind of feels like a precursor to void styles. Just like a little sprinkling before Foreshadowing. we. Foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, I really liked the scene with Jackson when he's trying to tell her, like, you don't want me at the party. Because it was one of those things where, like, she really, really wants him there because she still loves him. And he really can't go because he still loves her. And, like, that is a moment where they can't say that to each other. Not be out of any, like, bad miscommunication writing. Just in the way where there's, like, certain things you can't, like, be vulnerable enough to, like, share with somebody. Even if you do love them. And I loved that little bit. Yes. Um... Hmm. Oh, my last observation. Allison is way too perceptive to not see that her mother is in imminent danger. Yeah. She's just being, she's being like willfully ignorant in that moment. Yeah. For sure. I do think we would be remiss if we did not talk about the best moment in this episode. And also a classic example of Teen Wolf using an unnamed black female character. Yeah, unnamed black girl returned to dunk styles in the pool. <laughs> to sober him up, which is hilarious. Also so, not how you sober people up. No, but it's super funny. It's so well-timed. Um, his line, I think I might have to revisit my policy on hitting a girl. Like, it's just that whole exchange is very, very funny. funny. Um, obviously he wouldn't hit her it's just a mild annoyance and like she just dunked him in the pool so he's like can totally say that and have it be funny and land and it's it was great yeah and well and then she's like yeah he's sober yeah (laughs) like it's it's so great um but again i hate that so much of early teen wolf comic relief lays on the shoulders of unnamed black female characters yes who who she saves the day yeah she does um and so we wish she had a name we wish she was part of the main cast um but it was the funniest episode episode jesus christ one of the funnier parts of this episode yeah yep which did manage to have little bits of comedy it was so well balanced um especially because some of the emotional beats did not land like they were supposed to yeah but yeah the scene with allison in the hospital is so good crystal reed michigan queen we love you (laughs) we love her i and i also we talk so much about uh, like Styles and his and his relationship with his dad, Allison's relationship with her dad is obviously cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, get, once he starts training her um, to be a werewolf hunter, but like that moment is really, really touching and sad. And I wish I wish so much that that's how the episode had ended. There's one of the things I really like about that scene is that she is like trying to ask him what happened. He's trying to hold her. She's trying to get somewhere else. And it's this really weird, awkward, like shifting of shoulder blades and like kind of running into each other. And it looks so awkward when you're watching it, but you're like, that is a perfect example of what would be happening in that moment. Well, what you really do see is the five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. You see like the bargaining, the denial, the depression, the acceptance, and the acceptance is at the end. She lets herself be held by her dad because in she finally realizes that it's there's nowhere else to go Mm -hmm. it's really moving it is and then they ruined it by adding shit at the end teen wolf we were like i was so excited to talk about this episode and i hate having to like find (laughs) shit that i'm like oh no they should have resurrected peter they should have flipped the last two scenes yes like they should have resurrected peter and have him been like it's good to be back and then do Allison like end on a downer end on a downer I'm always for that me too I love being sad and also being sad Mm -hmm. yeah uh do you have an alpha of the week or pack stats sorry pack stats um I had one shirtless moment was I missing no it was just Lydia in the shower yeah Lydia in the shower I mean Derek is wearing a skimpy tank top um but that is par for the course so I don't feel the need to count that um lots of eight eyes 
Eight eyes. Lots of eyes. Um, three claws. Uh, two of them were Peters. The werewolf acrylics are delightful. I want a set. Um, they're gross. <laughs> they're like, there's clearly dirt under every single nail. I am also gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, then at the end, Peter, well, it's Peter and Derek actually have all the claws and then Peter digs his claws into Derek to steal his werewolf power. Um, and then we've got Macy's ads. Uh, Macy's was the true <laughs> hero of Teen Wolf season two. Lydia walks in with like six Macy's shopping bags, which I just loved. You know, there's one dress in each bag. Totally. Wait, have you have you been to a Macy's recently? They're nightmarish. Yeah. I go to the one in Somerset all the time, mostly because you have to walk through it to get to the mall. Oh, I go in through the Nordstrom side. Nordstrom is like peace on earth and Macy's is yes. utter chaos. You, but like Nordstrom is uh, like very earth toned and like very, uh, the lighting is super chill and you walk into a Macy's and you're like, oh my God, I'm on the You feel like sun. you're on crack cocaine. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what is happening? Why is everything so, so bright? bright? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she also name drops American Siren Rag. number three, by the way. Yeah. Which I guess is like an LA brand that is sold at Macy's. So I didn't know if that was like a separate ad. Sure. But yeah. What's, who's your alpha of the week? Oh wait. So that's siren number three actually I've been counting. So our final uh, pack. We're adding sirens into the pack stats. They've been really picking up lately. So we figure we should just keep them as part of the show. Yes. It does mean nothing to try to sit there and edit out the sirens. They're just inevitable. Oh, back to the theme of the episode. Incredible. The sirens in Uptown are inevitable. <laughs> really smooth transition. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have an alpha of the week? Um, how about you go first? Oh, God. I guess it's Isaac. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Derek, but mostly Isaac. Nobody in nobody at the party is doing anything besides Allison handing Matt's ass to him, which yes, she should have. But like Scott's not in any kind of control. Styles doesn't do anything too particularly impressive. Maybe it's unnamed black girl, but I think it's Isaac for being able to muster enough like willpower to help Derek take care of the other betas. I would agree with you. My natural inclination would be to say uh, Chris, but I think Chris can only be a rock in the tide. Like he. He can't do anything about anything that's happening. He's not being, he's not making any proactive choices. No. Um, so I feel real bad for Chris, but I would say my alpha of the week is, is also Isaac. I love that it gets to be Isaac. Yes. <laughs> I we love, love Isaac. Oh, we do. All right, everybody. This about wraps up this episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast. If you liked this episode, I hope you leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, or you can follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf, which is also our Instagram handle, and you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams from there. We also have a Tumblr at TeenWolfReWolf. Christian just posted all of the episodes on there today. I just, like, don't know how to use Tumblr anymore. <laughs> yeah, I have the app on my phone and I open it maybe once a month. I feel like I turned 20 my brain threw out all of my Tumblr information. Oh, it's still there. It's just maybe deep you should, underground. Maybe you should be running the Tumblr. Uh... Other than that, uh, we're going to have some March bonus episodes coming to you soon. If you guys would like to submit a picture of your pet to be our Wolf of the Week on Twitter and Instagram, we are accepting those in our DMs. And I have been Christian, that has been Julia, and we hope you guys have a Wolf of a Week. Uh, uh, woo! woo!